0: Uh, to Genesis chapter 43. Genesis chapter 43. And while you're turning there, I want to I want to share one thing that happened in the car coming home yesterday. Well <clears throat> Actually, a lot of things happened in the car coming home yesterday. But um, uh, but no, one of the things that uh, <clears throat> I, I found out uh, yesterday uh, was that um, uh, at camp they my understanding is they divided you into two teams. Is that correct? Okay, so they divided all the all the kids into two teams, and they earned points throughout the week by winning games and so on and so forth. But at the, by the end of the week, um, the team that won, it came down to who memorized the most verses. Is that correct? So um, uh, how many did the, did the one team, the first team, uh, they had... Uh, Okay, they had 800, okay, they, the, the first team had, over the course of the week, had memorized 800 verses. The other team. The other team, well, we three of the four cabins memorized 400 verses, and in one cabin, we had memorized 900 verses. So, so Ryan's, Ryan's cabin, by themselves, so, so the second team collectively uh, memorized 400 verses. But his cabin, just by themselves, memorized 900, yeah, no, 900, 900 verses just in one cabin. And how many of those did you do? 189. 189. Why didn't you do two more, man? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, listening to that come home, coming home listening to that, boy, it just filled my heart. And, um. Because you know camp is about having fun, um but it's it's Christian camp is much more than just having fun. and it's it's transplanting the Word of God into hearts. And uh, I praise I praise God for that. So, <clears throat> uh, we're running a little late, so I'm gonna try and speed things up here as much as possible. Uh, <clears throat> i I was reading an article, and I, I wanted to share this article with you a few years ago the San Diego Tribune uh, had a a story about two men uh, who were on trial for robbery. So during the questioning, and I witnessed to the robbery, um, the prosecutor asked the the witness a few questions. And The first question he asked, he says, were you on scene at the robbery at the time it took place? And the witness said, uh, yes, that is correct. The prosecutor then asked another question. He says, uh, you reported seeing a vehicle flee from the scene at a high rate of speed. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. The next question, were you able to observe the occupants of the vehicle? Yes, I was. There were two men. And then, and those of you that have watched TV know that, you know, about then the prosecutor stands up straight and he says, and is those two people here in the courtroom today? And before the eyewitness could say anything, the two guys that had robbed the store raised their hands. (laughs) Needless to say, needless to say, the... It was over at that point. (laughs) My point is this. Guilt can make people do really strange things. Guilt can make people do really strange things. As we continue our story here in Genesis chapter 43, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, but the story... Takes a turn, and the emphasis is no longer so much on Joseph as it is on on the brothers. And uh, Joseph, uh, or, or excuse me, uh, Judah, uh, finally steps up to the plate and takes takes charge, or takes responsibility, if you would. Uh, and he finally convinces his father Jacob to allow Benjamin to make the trip to Egypt. But as I was thinking about this, and kind of working through the process as they approached Egypt, they were going to encounter three major obstacles. Okay. So those of you that are familiar with the story, I I don't have time to go back and tell the whole story, but anyway, the three obstacles that they were going to face is the first one is how were they going to explain the money that was in their sacks? That's obstacle. Number one, The second obstacle is how were they going to secure Simeon's release? And then the third obstacle that they were all very worried about was Benjamin's protection. They were all worried because they knew if anything happened to Benjamin, dad was probably going to kill them all. (laughs) So those are the three major obstacles that they faced. And these are three things that, were of great concern to them unfortunately when we get in difficult situations well i say unfortunately that, that that's not true when when we get into uh difficult situations two things can happen they can make us better or they can make us bitter and it was really interesting to me listening to the kids uh, in our car coming home because you could tell, you could tell by conversation of the kids just in our car who came away from camp better and who didn't, who came away the same as they went. And so often, when we are in difficult situations, we walk away from those situations either better or bitter. And we need to be very, very careful. And we need to embrace difficulties. Now, what I just said makes no sense. But as I started thinking about it, I I, I thought about something. I thought, you know, what? Ha- okay, so so Joseph or uh, Joseph's. 10 brothers, including Benjamin, make their way back to Egypt. Who is still in Egypt? Simeon. Uh, Yeah, okay, Simeon's in jail. How long has he been in jail? Over a year. Now, would you say that Simeon was in a difficult situation? I would. You know, here he is in Egypt, <clears throat> and he's in prison. And I and I stopped and I as I was reading and I was kind of going through my my thought process, I thought I wonder if Simeon came out of prison better or bitter. And the Bible answered that question for me. In Genesis chapter 49 verses 5 to 7 <clears throat> It says, Simeon and Levi are brethren. <clears throat> okay, so so um, Genesis chapter 49, verses, verse 5, Jacob is on his deathbed. And we talked about this, I think, last week or week before. Uh, well, it wasn't last week because last week was the anniversary. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, and on his deathbed, he tells each of his 12 sons what to expect in the future. So here... Uh, Jacob is on his deathbed and he's and he's addressing Simeon and Levi and he says, uh, they are brethren, uh, instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man. And in their... Uh, uh, self-will, they dig down a well. Cursed, cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob uh, 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 and scatter them in Israel. So, So basically, Simeon did not learn or walk away from his difficulty better. And 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 as I was studying, I God challenged my heart. And you know, because to be perfectly honest, I'm human, okay? And I, I, I go through difficulties just like everybody else does. And I have to learn to embrace those difficulties. And allow God to do a work in my heart and life, because I want to come away from those situations being better, not bitter. In Genesis chapter forty three, uh, let's let's read verses fifteen to verse eighteen. It says, then <clears throat> and the the men took the presents and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said uh, to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and uh, slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the men brought the men uh, into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and they said because of the money uh, that was returned in our in our sacks at the first time uh, are we brought in that we may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for bondsmen and our asses. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for the time this morning in your word. And I asked her, God, that this morning, that the the things that are said here this morning are things that you want said. Lord, help us and grow us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to start with a question: Can guilt be a good thing? Yes, I think so. it can. It can. The title of my message is Dealing with Guilt. Dealing with Guilt. And, and again, I want to say this. I believe guilt can be a good thing. <clears throat> my first point is this. <clears throat> Boom. Guilt can be a good thing. <laughs> Isn't that clever? <clears throat> Hold your place in chapter 43. And I want to go back to chapter 37. Go back to chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, let's start reading in verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all the brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto them. uh, Excuse me, unto him. And Joseph dreamed uh, a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Look down to verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh, because now therefore, uh, come now therefore, and let us slay him and cast him uh, into some pit. And uh, we will say some evil beast have devoured him. and uh, And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Look over verse 24 and verse 25. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. How how cruel is that? They throw him into the pit with no water, and then they'd sit down and eat lunch. That's cold. Verse 25. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and and took, excuse me, and looked, and then beheld a company of Ishmaelites and came uh, came from uh, Gilead with their camels bearing spices and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. So the story is. And hopefully, you know the story. Uh, turn back to 42. But what happens is they sell Joseph. Uh, Instead of killing him, they obviously they sell him to the Ishmaelites uh, as a slave and the Ishmaelites carry him down to Egypt and, and sell him, and then the the rest of the story and so on and so forth. Look at chapter 42, because this is really, really important. We just read that they took him, they threw him into the pit with no water and then they sat down and ate lunch. Now, Again, to me, I read that and I think, man, that, that is cold. That, that is hard-hearted. But they, they even in chapter 42, look at verse 21. They even described their own heart condition when they did this. Chapter 42 in verse 21, and they said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brethren in that we saw the anguish of his soul. And he besought us, he begged them not to do this thing. And we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. So, So even they themselves admit the fact that they were so, they hated him so much, they just wanted him dead. Chapter 37. There was no remorse. There's no guilt. There's no regret. There's only hatred. Their consciences had been seared. No regret. No remorse. Just hate somewhere between chapter 37 and chapter 42, some growth had taken place in their hearts and lives. Because in chapter 37, there was no guilt, no remorse, just hatred. Now, in chapter 42, we are starting to sense uh, uh, an element of regret and guilt. D.L. Moody visited a prison called the Tombs one time and to preach to the inmates. After he had finished speaking, Moody talked with a number of men in their cells and uh, he asked each prisoner this question. Now, now me personally, I never asked this question. When I go into the prison, I never asked this question, but D.L. Moody did. If you don't know who D.L. Moody was, he is a, a famous preacher of many, many years back. He's long since with the Lord. But anyway... He would ask. He asked every question, Christian or every prisoner this question: "What brought you here?" Uh, again and again, he received replies like this: uh, "I don't deserve to be here. I was falsely framed. I was falsely accused. I was given an unfair trial." Not one inmate would admit his guilt. Finally, Moody found a man with his. Face buried in his hands, weeping. And what is wrong, my friend? He inquired. The prisoner responded, My sins are more than I can bear. Relieved to find at least one man who recognized his guilt and his need for forgiveness, the evangelist exclaimed, Thank God for that. And D.L. Moody ended up leading this, this person to Christ. Because without guilt, there's nothing to forgive. And the reality is, we are all guilty of sin. Again, can guilt be a good thing? Yes. Number two. Let's talk about their fear for a minute. Look at verse 18. And the uh, the men were afraid uh, because they were brought into Joseph's house. Excuse me. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Black Bart? Okay, Black Bart is a a Western legend, if you would. Uh, Black Bart was a professional thief. And... Uh, His name was uh, known from San Francisco to New York for his ability to rob Wells Fargo stages, okay? Between 1875 and 1883, he robbed 29 stagecoaches. Amazingly, Black Bart did it all without firing a shot. Because, of, because the hood hit his face, no victim ever saw his face. He never took a hostage. He never uh, was trailed by a sheriff. Instead, Black Bart was, uh, used fear to paralyze his victims. His sinister presence was enough to overwhelm even the toughest stagecoach guards. Now, We just read in verse 18 that these men were afraid. See, fear can do two things to us. Fear can paralyze us like it did for for Black Bart. But fear can also be liberating. These men felt fear. And I believe the fear that they felt was a liberating fear. Because you, you have to go back to Genesis, where we read earlier in, in in Genesis 37, where these men feared nothing. All they did was hate. And now the fact that they get hit to this point, <clears throat> they feared What did they fear? They they were fearful because when they had left, they were being accused of being spies. Now now what what especially back then, but what do you think the the penalty was for being a spy? (laughs) I mean they just cut your head off back then. At least at least us, you know, we put you in jail for the rest of your life. You know. But I mean it was the death sentence. And and then they they so so, <clears throat> so they they they're fearful because they were being accused of being a spy. Now they're also fearful because they they are afraid that the government officials are going to think that they stole all that money. So they have all this this anxiety and fear. But the truth is, <clears throat> they were fearful because they were guilty of something else. See, and it's that guilt that causes fear. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In other words, what's he saying here? When the wicked flee when no man pursueth, a person who is guilty is going to run from their own shadows. When we constantly hide things, we become paranoid, do we not? Defensive, accusatory. And the list could go on and on and on. First Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Having a good conscience that whereas they speaking evil of you as, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed uh, that falsely accuse you, uh, excuse me, accuse your good uh, conversation in Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 16, and herein uh, do I exercise myself that have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, that's a hard thing to do, is it not? Are there any of us that can say that we have a clear conscience void of offense toward God and men? That's a hard place to be. Fear. Look at number three, point number three of their response. Look at verse 19. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food. And it came to pass when we uh, came to the end that we opened our sacks and behold every man's money was in the mouth of his sack our money uh, in full weight and we have brought it again in our in our hands uh, and other money have we brought down uh, in our hands to buy food we cannot tell who put our money in our sacks <clears throat> their response what, you know, as I again, as I started thinking about that, I, I, the first thing I thought: Have you ever been caught doing something that you shouldn't have been doing? No. John's over here going, no. Okay. <clears throat> My mom is going to appreciate this story uh, because she laughs every time she thinks about it, and she probably knows the story I'm about to tell. Our family, the family rule was that. You could not drive the family car to school until you were a senior in high school. And uh, we didn't live too far from the school, but <clears throat> this one day, I decided I was going to try and impress a girl that lived way far away. So I told her the day before, I said, don't don't get on the bus, I'll take you home tomorrow. So that morning, I <clears throat> got up and jumped in the car and took it to school thinking I was going to give this girl right home and so she missed her bus and <clears throat> I came out I came out after school and uh, we walked out into the parking lot and guess what car was gone and I'm thought somebody stole the car well you can imagine what is racing through my head I ain't even supposed to have the car Okay, so <clears throat> so she, she gets mad. You know, forget ever dating her. Okay, she's furious because she missed her bus. <clears throat> I don't even remember her name. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I'm thinking, I, I've got to go call the police because somebody stole the car. So I make my way to the school office and I walk into the school office and I said, um, yeah, I need to use the phone. And they said, well, you know, what do you need it for? And I, you know, this is obviously before cell phones, okay? So <clears throat> as I'm flipping through a phone book, how many of you know what a phone book is? Okay, okay. All right, I'm flipping through the phone book looking for the n- number to the police station and I'm getting ready to dial the number on an old rotary phone, okay? Okay, and... <clears throat> I'm getting, and I'm like, wait a minute. I wonder. So before I called the police, I called the house. Because my mom and dad were not supposed to be home. They are supposed to be at work. So I called the house, and my dad answers the phone. All he said was, hello, and I said, I'll be right home hung up the phone, and on the way from the school to the, to the house, guess what I was doing? No, I wasn't praying. I was trying to come up with a story. <laughs> something, you know, because, I mean, you know, I, I was trying to come up with something. Finally, I just walked in the door. But I, I, as I was getting close to the house, I pulled my wallet out, took my driver's license out of my wallet, Took the keys, walked in the door. My dad's standing there. I just handed them to my dad and walked away. (laughs) Because I I knew that that's what, right, Mom? Or did I give them to you? I I gave them to some. Okay. And, oh, that's right. uh, She had a dentist appointment. Can you believe they didn't have the decency to tell me that she had a dentist appointment? Anyway, so I was busted. And I can, as I was thinking about this, I was, I could just see these guys traveling from Canaan back to Egypt, the whole way, rehearsing a story, something that they could tell to get an ally once they got to Egypt, because that's what they would need, right? Me, I had nothing. I mean, the girl was long gone. I mean, I could have at least drug her anyway. Um... <clears throat> But they they had to rehearse this all the way down. What are we going to say? So as soon as they get into the house, what do they do? Poof, they dump it on on the steward of the house. Now I want you to think about something. Here they are. They get down to Egypt. Joseph sees them coming and says, okay, I want you to go home, fix an incredible meal, because these guys are going to eat lunch with me. Okay? Now, put yourself in their shoes. If you are being accused of being a spy, and a thief, and all the potential problems, what are you thinking? You're not thinking, hey, this is a great lunch. Right? My last meal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly exactly. You know, this is, this is it, baby. We're done. And again, as I, as I was thinking about this, a story came to my mind that I, I want to share with you and I, I'm trying to hurry here, <clears throat> but they had to have been panicked. <clears throat> Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Why are we here? Okay. They're going to feed us a nice meal. Then they're going to come out, put us in chains, turn us into slaves. They're going to kill us. I mean, everything negative. Because that, Isn't that what we default to is the negative? So everything negative is going through their minds. As, again, as I was thinking about this, I, w- I, I was taken back to uh, when I was in the Navy. I was 19 years old. Uh, those of you in the mil- that were in the military, y'all know what an E3 is? Okay, an E3 is nothing, okay? An E1 isn't what you are in boot camp, okay? So I was just out of boot camp. I was E3. I had three little teeny stripes on my arm. And I worked in the carpenter shop on the ship. And one day, the captain came in carrying a very (coughs) weird-looking wooden thing that was rotten. Picture number one. The captain of our ship owned a boat very similar to this one. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> and it had set it had outside and it needed a lot of work. Next picture, please. The thing that he brought me was this. It, it was a little uh, cover that slides back and forth. So when it's fully extended out you can actually go below decks and when it's pulled back there's a little door there also that keeps the weather out so that you can you can actually sleep down there and anyway uh, it it was curved like this and it was rotten because it had just been sitting out and had not been maintained so the so the chief of our shop walks up to me and hands me this and says here I need you to duplicate this I didn't know what it was. So I said, okay. So I, I it took me, I don't know, three or four days. Um, but I, I, I duplicated it exactly to fit this. And uh, I, I took, when I was done, I, I took it to the chief and I said, I said, here you go. And he's like, take it to the captain. The who? The captain. It's his okay so again i'm an e3 okay i'm a nothing and and the nothing never talks to the someone okay um, the captain of the ship is the someone okay he is like the man so i go up i go up to to his quarters and i present to him this cover and he thanks me and i beat it out of there as fast as i can and <clears throat> About three or four days later, I'm walking down the passageway of the ship and the captain stops me. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it didn't fit, you know. Anyway, he stops me and he says, go tell your chief that you're coming to my house. Okay. Okay. And again, that never happens. So I went to my chief. I said, Chief, I said, I just talked to the to the CO. And and he 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 wants me to come to his house. What's going on? And he said, Oh, he probably just wants you to help work on the sailboat because it was in really bad shape. And <clears throat> needless to say, I did that and and I Long story short, I was scared to death. Driving between the ship, not only I felt guilty because like I'm supposed to be working, but I'm I was scared to death. The the emotions that were going through, I mean cuz I'm 19 years old and this guy, those of you that understand, he's one step below an admiral. That's how high ranked this guy is. And he he's lives in this big old house, and I'm pulling out, and I am scared to death. Those of you that are in the military know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you are taught, you don't talk to these people. And here I am going to his house. I was scared. And and as as I was thinking about the, the emotions that had to have been going through these guys' hearts and minds, I, I was taken back to that. I was scared to death. I honestly, I didn't know how to talk. I probably stuttered for 15 minutes after I got there. But you know what I found out? Off the ship, he's just a regular guy. But on the ship, he was my CO. And I can kind of appreciate what was going on in their hearts and minds. Because they had no clue what to expect. And for the first time in their lives, at least recorded in Scripture, everything that they said to the steward was the truth. Every other time their conversations are recorded, there's always a little bit of untruth in it. I wanna look at one more thing before we're done. I want to look at the steward's response. The steward's response. We'll talk more about this next week, but I just wanna I, I just want to take a look at what the steward says to the to, to the ten brothers. Verse 23. And he said, Well, let's stop, let's stop for a second. They are scared to death. They come into Joseph's house, and the first thing they do is they beeline it to the steward and they dump all this stuff on the steward because they're scared. They don't know what to do next. And I love what the steward says. And again, we'll we'll talk about this more next week. But the steward says this, and he said, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And I love, I love, I love what this Egyptian told them. Just very simply, take it easy, guys. God is in control. Don't worry about it. God is in control. And so often, we get in situations, we get in circumstances that in in our minds, in our estimation, there is no way out of it. Because that's exactly how they felt. That's exactly how they felt. And this Egyptian steward looks at them very nonchalant. I, at least I, this is the way I see it. He just looks at him and says, guys, don't worry about it. God's in control. And there are times in our lives when we are in the midst of the struggle, that we need people in our lives that will just step up and say, hey, don't worry about it. God's in control. Because what do we do? Like I said earlier, we always default to the worst. And we forget oftentimes that God is in control. I want to, I want to close with, well, let let me read this and then then I'll I'll, I'll close. Uh, Matthew chapter six verse twenty four and following says this: No man can serve two masters; either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. The the word mammon there is the is the Greek word for money. Okay, so you can't can't serve God and money. Or wealth, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what shall, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, and they, uh, for they sow not; neither do they reap, nor gather into in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not more, uh, better, uh, excuse me, much better than they? Which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or whatsoever shall we be clothed? So often we are so consumed with the things of this world. And I love the response of the steward. Don't worry about it. God's in control because they were scared to death, and 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 He had to have sensed that. I remember that day when I came, when I finally I, I got to the captain's house. I literally, I I I was I I was scared. I was scared to death, and I, and I could tell my the captain sensed it. And he just, he, I don't remember what he did, but he said or did something that put me right at ease. And I appreciated it so much. Sometimes it's just a simple word. It's just a simple act, something that we can do to help calm the spirit of somebody that's in the middle of it. I want to close with giving you a, a test of sorts. It, it It's funny because I I, I I did this test several days ago, <clears throat> but yet coming home from camp, as I heard some of the conversation in the car, um, some of these questions came up. it was It was pretty interesting. so I want to give you a spiritual growth test. how How are you growing spiritually? Okay, I'm gonna give you six questions. And and don't answer it out loud. I want you to just ponder it and think about it and let God do a do work in your heart. Number one, <clears throat> spiritual growth test. Number one, look at the people that you like to hang around with. The kind of people you like to hang around with will show you real quickly how you're doing spiritually. Second question, who... Would be on a list of people that influence your thinking. I'll tell you what it, if that if that list includes people coming out of Hollywood, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. Question number three, who do you uh, interact with on a regular basis? Again, uh, like every, almost everyone, the, the first three questions in this, I, I heard being talked about in the car yesterday. And some of it was good and some of it wasn't good. Question number four. Do these people, whoever they might be, know God more or less than you do? Ouch. Question number 5. Have their lives caused you to seek God more or pull you away from God? That's a telling question. And then number 6, do their lives reflect Christ? You know it's a it's a it's a it's a telling thing the people we hang around with, the people we want to be like, tells a lot about who we are. God used guilt and fear in the lives of Joseph's brothers to get them where they needed to be. And it took an Egyptian steward to help him put it all in perspective. That's an amazing thought. Sometimes, sometimes God can use people in our lives. Well, let me rephrase that. Often, often, often God uses people in our lives. But who are you surrounding yourself with? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for the this Egyptian steward that understood, understood the the precepts of God and was able to look at these men who were scared to death and say, It's okay, God's in control. Thank you for your love and the work that you do in our lives. And thank you for these young people who were able to go to camp this week. But Lord, work in our hearts. Help each of us to see our need to walk with you. With every head.